Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. Um, we're kicking off this ministry year uh, thinking about this idea that God has called the church to tenacity and creativity, uh, to be tenacious and creative in the face of obstacles. We've thought about how this relates to mission, um, that no matter the obstacles, we're going to be doing mission as the church, being a part of what God has called us to do. Community last week, and this week we're thinking about worship. And when I say worship, I mean Lord's Day, Word, and Sacraments. When we gather together at the pinnacle of our week for the liturgy of the Word and the liturgy of the table, which is what we're doing right now. And our worship has faced serious obstacles. I said this at the beginning, but about like a minute before uh, we started, we were like, oh, our live stream's not working on our website. Uh, that's just like par for the course in 2020. Would have never worried about that before, but here we are. Um, I know it's been hard. Uh, we've, we have struggled to celebrate Eucharist together. We, we used to do that every single week, and that's a big value of ours, and that's been tough. For those of you with children, I know the live stream has been really hard, and I know that because I have children. Um, and I know for some of you, technology is hard in general, and it's just tough. So even as we're beginning to meet safely in Edgewood, which we hope to do soon, it'll still be tough. There will still be obstacles. So why not just wait? Why not just wait? Why not just wait till word and sacrament is less awkward and easier and we don't have to do all this random weird stuff to try to get together and meet? Um, why would we fight for it right now? I think we have to be able to answer that question. We have to be able to answer that question as a community. Why? Why do we fight for this? Why is it worth it? Whether it's tapping into the live stream in your sweatpants in your couch or coming to a lawn or having communion delivered to you, why is this something that we would care about right now? We have to be able to answer that question. It cannot just be because we should and I'm supposed to and my parents told me I was supposed to when I was growing up. It cannot be that. It has to be theological, it has to be exciting, and it has to be substantial. And that's what this morning is all about. So first, we're going to ask really two questions. Why? Why is this something that we want to fight for and be tenacious and creative about? And just to give you a heads up, answering the why is going to take about 95% of the time of this sermon. The second question is how, and it's pretty simple. It's like, we'll figure it out, but we'll get there. The main thing we want to ask is why in the world do we want to do this in general? Okay. So first, why? Why should we be tenacious and creative about word and sacrament, about worshiping on the Lord's Day? There are literally... So many books have been spilled throughout history that are brilliant and amazing about why worship is so significant in the church. That's like saying, why is the cross significant? It's, there's a tons and tons and tons of reasons why word and sacrament is significant in our life. We've even had full sermon series on that before in our church. But in this season and for our church right now, I just want to highlight two reasons. Two reasons. And that is, it's an event of divine clarity and it's an event of divine connection. It's an event of divine clarity. And it is an event of divine connection. So let's begin with the idea that it's an event of divine clarity. And if you have a Bible in your home, would you grab it? If you don't have a Bible, let me know. I will buy one on Amazon and I'll ship it to you. 
Um, but otherwise, you can grab your uh, bulletin because I want to go to Second Peter, that beautiful passage that Kristen read this morning. So we're going to go to Second Peter, chapter one, verse sixteen to twenty-one. Um, to give a little background, this is an amazing passage where the Apostle Peter is seeking to build up the faith of the early church in the legitimacy of Jesus and Scripture. And in verses 16 to 18 at the beginning, he's basically like, guys, Jesus is the real deal. Nobody made this up. He talks about the Mount of Transfiguration. He says, I was there. I heard it. I saw it. Don't think that this was a myth. I saw it with my own eyes. We were eyewitnesses. Jesus is the real deal. And then he pivots to talk about how the word of God is the real deal. He's like, listen, nobody made this up. He talks about the legitimacy of the prophetic word of God. And it's in the middle of that, talking about scripture, that Peter gives us this amazing image, which is what I want us to focus on. And that's verse 19. So look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention to, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. What a beautiful, beautiful passage. Um, when Peter talks about the day dawning and the morning star rising in your heart, he's talking about the second coming of Jesus. So this is this image that we're waiting for the day when Jesus comes back and it's gonna be like everything is engulfed in light. That which was hidden will be revealed. That which was confusing will be just bathed in utter clarity in the light of Jesus. This is why we sing every Advent when we celebrate Jesus' first coming and also look forward to his second coming, that old folk song that says, bright morning stars are rising. Day is a breaking in my soul. It's amazing. What an image. But until that day comes, according to Peter, compared to what's going to happen our present age is like midnight, which is wild. To think of what's going to happen when Jesus comes back, right now is night. It's dark. A lot of confusion, a lot of pain. Um, think about like driving or running and you talk about visibility, like, oh, there's bad visibility right now because of, because of fog. Peter is saying that right now the visibility is low. But what do we have? The prophetic word. Peter says, which shines like a lamp in a dark place. Gives clarity in the midst of confusion, gives light in the midst of darkness, offers truth in the midst of falsehood. And that's why I love Peter says, you would do well to pay attention to that. He was like, it would be smart if you paid attention to the lamp shining in the dark place. Offers visibility. And that is the role of God's word in our life, I think more than anything, just cling to that image of a lamp shining in a dark place. The psalmist will say elsewhere, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Pour out your light and your truth. Let them guide me. And in our personal devotional life, that is absolutely true, which is why you want to cram as much possible Bible into your days as you can. It's like you're just turning on little lights in your house and in your life at work. But this is also especially true when we gather together as one body on the Lord's Day for the reading and preaching of Scripture. It's an event 
It is a moment in time when the whole community together comes together and uncovers the lamp to let it shine into our corporate life. And as such, it's qualitatively different than what happens in our devotional reading or even in conversations along the way in our weeks together. There's a corporate, there's an authoritative element to it uh, that stands alone on the Lord's day when we do this as a body. And one of the things as you read scripture and you think about history and you look at the church around the world is the extent to which a community does this and is devoted to this, not just in their individual lives, but as a body doing this, is the extent to which a community either gets lost in the dark or is able to bear north towards the bright and morning star. So it's serious, and it has always been this way. When that goes in the life of a community, a lot goes with it. But when, it's, when a community is coming around the clarity of God's word, no matter what is happening in the darkness of the world around you, it's powerful. This is Israel gathering at the tent of meeting in the Exodus. This is the people of God gathering at the temple in Ezra and Nehemiah. This is Jesus going into the synagogue and picking up the prophet Isaiah and reading it and then dropping the mic. This is Peter at the Feast of Pentecost. These are bright lamp shining events into the darkness. So much more we could say there, but the image is what is important from the scriptures this morning. 2020, we all had the pun 2020 vision. Remember when we were like, 2020 is gonna be hilarious. Think of how many people are gonna say 2020 vision. Thankfully, Kanye West finally said it in a serious way, which was funny. But it has not been a time of vision. 2020 has not been a 2020 vision type year. It has been utterly crazy to get on. We're going to pray for this later, but our hearts are broken for what's happening in California and Oregon and Washington right now with the fires. And on, a, on top of everything this year, to read the news and just see states on fire is almost just like, what is happening? Yeah. So this is a time of darkness. We always need the divine clarity of God in our life and of his word, but we especially need it right now. Amen? Amen? We need it. So that's the perfect image for what's happening in the liturgy of the word, what we're experiencing right now. It's the prophetic word shining like a lamp into a dark place. Okay, the other part of our worship together, our time in communion at the Lord's table is similarly an event of divine connection divine connection. And to be specific, it's an event of bonding, of connection to Jesus and the church, to the Lord and to one another. If you can, if you have a Bible, flip with me to 1 Corinthians 10. We didn't read this this morning, but I just want to point out uh, a passage. 1 Corinthians 10, it's like five or six books to the left in your Bible. Um, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. I'll just read it here for a second. And I'm going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 16. This is the Apostle Paul talking about communion. He says this, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation? And that word participation in Greek is the word koinonia, which is one of like five or ten Greek words that are actually good to know. And it means fellowship. It, it's, uh, it's an amazing deep word that's hard to pack into one English word. But it's participation might sound like you participate in like your local 
I don't know, soccer team or something. It's way bigger than that. It's like full on bonding and fellowship. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation, a fellowship in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation? There's that word again, in the body of Christ. Then he goes on, so there's connecting to the Lord. Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of one bread. And do you see him saying, so not only are you connecting to Jesus, you're connecting to each other. Paul's saying that when we keep the feast, it's an event, it's a moment in time in your week where there is an actual bonding. Through the Holy Spirit, and again, depending on what tradition you have, you may have never fully studied passages like these or heard this, but through the Holy Spirit, something actually physically and spiritually happens. Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake, there's that word again, of one bread. So yes, it is true, just like devotional reading of scripture is utterly significant, but it's not qualitatively the same as what happens in word and sacrament, just as we all have the Holy Spirit and we're all unified, but when we come to the Lord's table and partake of the bread and wine, it's a unique time where that unity is actually acted out. The glue, if you will, of the body of Christ is reinforced. The bonding is strengthened. Our spiritual unity is physically experienced and tasted and seen. Oh my gosh, this is happening. So it's real. And it also, though, think about it, connects us, which we need this just as bad, to Jesus in the church through our memory. Memory is a huge part about this. Um, my son James is five, and ever since he was like two or three, he's done this thing without anybody having to tell him to do it, where he loves to give people something to remember and buy forever. And he always says it like that. I want you to remember me forever. So I'll go on like a trip or like leave to go to work, and he'll grab a Lego and give it to me and say, Dad, this is for you to remember me by forever. And it utterly slays me. You don't think I keep that Lego in my pocket? Uh, my wife randomly made me this leather thing to remember my kids by, and until it falls off, I'll never take it off. It's precious to me. And if I see that Lego, if I'm at work or wherever, I think of my son because he gave it to me. James understands the power of sacrament. Is this not exactly one of the reasons why Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper? I'm giving this to you. Remember me whenever you do it. Remember what happened? Remember that I'm coming again. As often as you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. So if you're outside today and you're under Edgewood Lawn and there's like a farmer's market and then there's a Eucharistic service uh, and you're holding our little communion pot in your hands that we're doing during coronavirus and you have that wafer and that juice, you're holding something that Jesus gave you to remember him by. You're also remembering the church. If for various reasons you feel uncomfortable coming to a small outdoor service, you can have communion delivered to you. And when that happens and you receive it and someone physically brings it to you and you experience it, you know, not only am I connecting to Jesus, but I know all the other people in our church are participating having fellowship in this feast right now. So it's an event. 
word and table of divine clarity and divine connection. Lord's Day worship stands alone in its significance in our lives, and you cannot do it by yourself. You cannot do it. By definition, it has to be with other people. It has to be with the people of God. Okay, so why not wait? Why fight for it right now when things are awkward, when we're fighting live streams and trees and protocols and a pandemic? Well, let's think about it. And for the people in the room, please help me brainstorm here. What's the opposite of clarity? Confusion. Confusion. Give me some more words. What's the opposite of clarity? What? Fogginess. Fogginess. Give me some more. Blindness. Blindness. That's nasty. (laughs) Weariness. Weariness. Misdirection. It's being in the dark. It's being at midnight with no moon and not knowing where to go, not knowing what's around you. You hear something in the woods and you can't see it. You're like, I don't know if that's a raccoon or if that's a black bear that's going to eat me alive. You've all been there. It's scary being in a tent. In the daytime, you can see, oh, it's a sandhill crane or whatever. You want to hear what Peter follows up his section? If you have a Bible, look at this. This is fascinating. He talks about the prophetic word of God shining like a lamp in a dark place. And here's what he follows it up with immediately after it, the beginning of chapter two. But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality, and because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their greed, they will exploit you with false words. Man. Remember that with mission, we were talking about how there's this harvest. And if you listened a couple weeks ago, we talked about if we don't bother with the harvest, evil and death are very uh, hardworking for their own harvest. Well, it's the exact same with voices in the world. If you're not attending to the prophetic word of God, you will be attending to other voices. You will be. Someone else will find you in the dark and say, hey, come this way. That is why you cannot ignore or wait on or remain indifferent to the public reading and preaching of scripture. Amen? Amen. What's the opposite of connection? Disconnection. Disconnection. Isolation. Isolation. Give me some more words. Alone. Yeah. So, like alone in the worst sense of the word. Wandering. Wandering. Bad stuff. You want to hear what Paul follows up 1 Corinthians 10 with? This is fascinating. Again, if you have your Bible and you're a Bible ninja, you can flip back there really quick or I'll just read it. Um, Paul talks about uh, participating in in, in Jesus, you know. We have fellowship with him through his body and blood. We have fellowship with one another, become one body. It's amazing. And here's what he follows it up with, starting in verse 20. What pagan sacrifice they offer to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be participants in fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the table of the Lord and the table of demons. So isolation, 
wandering, all these things are absolutely the opposite of connection. But also, Paul teaches us that if we're not connecting and bonding with the Lord, we are connecting with something else. We're going to participate. You don't have the option to not go to any table, Paul says, basically. You're going to sit down at some feast. You're going to bond to something. Humans are sticky, prone to bond creatures. And Paul says you can't be at two tables at the same time, so choose your table wisely. You cannot double dip. I find it fascinating. Forgive my, uh, these are hard-hitting passages, and forgive my homiletical intensity here, but I believe it. I find it fascinating that Paul follows, Peter and Paul follow both of these beautiful opportunities up with grave warnings. In 2020, darkness and isolation are crouching at the door. Are they not? False teaching, false bonding are ready to devour you whole. If you're not careful. Again, I, th I believe in this warning. And you know what? It's always been the case. I think we're experiencing it more intensely right now, but it has always been the case, which is why I love the writer of the Hebrews says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. It's another way to say, be tenacious for he who promises faithful and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but what encouraging one another all the more as you see the day, capital D, drawing near. And what is the day? The day the dawn comes and the morning star rises in our hearts. Hallelujah. We cannot wait on word and sacrament. Now here's another question. Why not church a la carte? Okay, I get it. Divine clarity, divine connection. Why not church a la carte? An a la carte menu is you don't need to have one meal with all the stuff that we give you. You can just choose what you want and kind of choose your own adventure. Um, with church having gone on the internet, the buffet, the smorgasbord is beautiful. <laughs> um, why not pick and choose? I will be the first to admit that there are better preachers than me live right now, a click away, more articulate, more well-read, more charismatic. There are productions, as epic as our production is, okay? <laughs> there are productions that you could go to that have full stabs of like 15 people just to work on movies and videos that just tickle the ears and delight the eyes. Um, they're out there. Why not just go to a different one or just listen to a podcast? Here's another one. Th since things have been split up for us, we have this hilarious kind of untraditional uh, gap this morning between our Liturgy of the Word and our Liturgy of the Table because it's going to be in a picnic in a couple hours. Why not just choose one? If you don't like one, just, just come for communion. I hear that all the time as a pastor. I just like the sermons, or I don't like it when anybody preaches. I just want to take communion. Why not? We need to have an answer for that question. Again, there have been many, many. The, the reason for this is really, really deep. There's been a ton written about how word and sacrament, the relationship between the two. But for right now, for our church, again, this is a family conversation, it is sufficient for us to remember that word and table go together. It's a seamless garment. Word and table go together. If you're married, you understand that your spousal physical intimacy cannot be separated from your emotional verbal intimacy. 
They all affect the other. They're connected. Thus it is with word and table. Our connection at the table is always precluded by the clarity of the word of God, the prophetic word of God. The word beckons us to the feast. When we hear God speak, we long to commune with him at his table. And the feast is illumined by the word. It's brought to life, which is why sometimes after God's word is read, you enter to the table, into the, the sacrament of the Eucharist, and you're just noticing something about it you've never noticed before. That's the relationship. And what therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Let not coronavirus put asunder. Amen? Now the kicker of all this, the kicker of all this, if word and table go together and you can't do it a la carte, is that it forces our church life to be local. Amen. It forces our church life to be specific, to be incarnational, which means in a specific place in a specific time. Yes, you can listen to Bible teaching anywhere, and I love Bible teaching anywhere. I listen to it all throughout the week. By and large, if I'm going on a run or doing something, I'm listening to somebody talk to the Bible because I love it. I'm not saying that's bad. You can listen to worship music anywhere, but you cannot receive Eucharist through a podcast. No one will ever figure it out. And if someone says they have figured it out, they're lying. You should run the opposite direction as fast as you can. It's not possible. You have to be there or it has to be delivered to you by an actual physical person. And that forces you to be connected to a particular congregation. It is impossible to live a Eucharistic sacramental life without being committed to, devoted to, an embodied local community with an actual table. <laughs> there is no sacramental Amazon Prime. <laughs> there is no streaming service for the church. Um, this is something that we as Anglicans really believe in, and we've preached it before, but we're actually being tested on it. Someone tells you you can do your Christian life without the church, they're lying, they're wrong. And if the Eucharist forces you to worship in an actual local congregation, you cannot just come for the table because word and table go together, remember? I have a pastor friend that had a group of people in his church who would wake up, get together, listen to Tim Keller, and then come to the service. And that's just like, listen, I love Tim Keller as much as the next guy, but that is like brutal. Um, that is like telling your spouse, I want to go on a date with somebody else, but then I want to come home to you. You can't do that. The church is the body of Christ. Actually, before I get into that, I love that there's, we have a parishioner in our church. We didn't talk about this before, so I won't say his name, but... One time I met him and he thought our service time was different and he missed the reading of the gospel and the preaching of the sermon. And so he didn't partake of the Lord's Supper because he wanted to hear the gospel first. He knew they went together and I massively respect that. The church is the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. She exists where the word of God is faithfully preached and the sacraments are rightfully administered, as the church has said. She is global and historic, historical in her one holy, Catholic, and apostolic nature. And yet she is manifested, lived, and experienced locally and relationally. God has ordained it thus. And that is why God himself ordained that the Son of God should be born of the Virgin Mary and suffer under Pontius Pilate. 
Those are two specific people in history. Even the Son of God was a part of a local community of faith. Here's what I'm getting at. I know it's weird to hear a preacher saying, like, you got to listen to art, you know. <laughs> I understand that dynamic. There's no way around it. But that's not what I'm saying. Here's what I'm getting at. Technology and the Internet and coronavirus and all these things have really, uh, you know, before, like, guys fight sometimes in movies, one guy will kick dust up, like, sand up in their eyes so they get confused before the fight starts. We have gotten some sand kicked in our face this year. And that's okay. God is good. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than sand being kicked in our eyes. But all of these things have allowed us to slice and dice up our Christian life because we're living it virtually. A little here, a little there. We get to pick and choose what we want to hear. All the annoying people at church we don't have to be with anymore because we, you know, brothers and sisters who bothered us. And there are even a lot of Christian theologies out there, really popular ones, that tell you that you can do your church life by yourself and kind of however you want. Just create it a la carte. But listen, brothers and sisters, as your pastor, the Bible does not allow you to do that. Our theology of Jesus in the church does not permit that. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's just saying you're just missing out. You cannot split word and sacrament. You can't do it alone. You can't thrive as a son or, son or daughter of the living God without his divine clarity and his divine connection in your life. And that's why we can't wait. And thus my prayer is that a part of Christ Church Madison's culture, something that is deep in us is that we as a people are tenacious about word and sacrament. Absolutely not. We were going to have word and sacrament. That we, as we discussed, remember we read that beautiful passage from Acts 2 last week about the early church. We're not just devoted to the fellowship, to community, but we are also devoted, it says, to what? The teaching, the breaking of bread, and the prayers, which is what we're doing right now. This is worth fighting for. If you have roommates or friends in your life, um, they should look at you and think, why do you care about this so much? Why do you make such great effort to be devoted to this stuff, whether you're like, watching it in your bedroom on your computer or like you care so much about going for communion why do you why do you care what a gospel opportunity if you have kids parents they should see you going out of your way to make word and sacrament an iron pillar in your life even if they don't understand it even if they don't understand why that's the best discipleship tool you can give your kids they might be asking things like, why is this such a big deal? Why are we getting together for communion? And that is the right question to ask. They're learning a reverence for the sacred. Children understand the language of the sacred. Don't think they don't. They're getting a taste of it. They're realizing that divine clarity and divine connection in word and sacrament, in Lord's Day worship with the people of God is essential. And before I move on, I just want to encourage you parents to not give up. You're doing such an awesome job. I know right now I'm in this room. My family's on the other side of this, and I'm encouraging my wife and my own children as well. But I know this has been so hard. We have a lot of ways we can be more creative about including our kids. But do not grow weary. You're doing such an awesome job. It can be so messy. It can feel like everything is just going bonkers when you try to have worship. But just even making the effort to show up, you are massively discipling your kids. Don't give up. Now is the time for word and sacrament. It's a moment of divine clarity and divine connection. 
This is, was not originally in my sermon, but this was just my meditation and prayer this morning. Um, why, is this, why is this not law? Before we move on, why is the why? Remember, we don't do anything uh, for the sake of legalism, pure legalism in Christianity, if you're new to the Christian faith. Why in the world is all this not just like whack, 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 whack? Because it sounds kind of like I'm doing that to you right now. Like, go to church! Why is it not law? How is it gospel? The reason it's gospel is because we love and serve a tenacious and creative God. God was tenacious, tenacious in his pursuit of bonding with you. Amen? What lengths did God not go to so that he could be connected to you? He found you in the dark. You were lost. And Jesus became born of the Virgin Mary and suffered under Pontius Pilate, as Sam's reading said, to be a light shining for the Gentiles. Hallelujah. He suffered and died and went to hell and back so that you could have divine clarity and connection in your life. And you could be one, not only with God, but with all the other people of God. Hallelujah. I love how when um, the writer of the Hebrews is encouraging the church, he's like, Consider Jesus who suffered for the joy set before him. You've not even shed blood yet, <laughs> you know. Um, God has done so much to connect with us. God has done so much to be in relationship with us. This is not law. It's all gospel. You get the opportunity to be connected to God. You get the opportunity. And God has been so creative. What is more creative than the gospel? At every turn, his incarnation, his crucifixion, his suffering, his resurrection, his ascension, it's all, it just blows your mind what God did. So this isn't law. This is gospel. We serve a tenacious and creative Christ. And I wish we had another week because that would be worth its whole sermon. But you need to know every, every bit of thing, every bit of uh, creativity or like extra energy you give to connecting with Jesus in the church Oh my, Jesus has, has, God has gone to such great lengths to make that available to you. Praise God. Okay, so really quick, how? Um, if it's good for us to be tenacious about worship, how can we be creative with it so that it's safe and possible? Remember, one of the themes for all this is to be tenacious and creative as the church does not mean to be foolish, just means to be creative. Um, first of all, I just want to say, again, this is another sermon, but God has always given his people all they need packaged in a way that can easily uh, go on the road. Uh, Maddie read that thing about the tabernacle. All of their, their sacrificial and word, word and sacrament life as the Old Testament people of God and the way that it kind of manifested back then, God literally made like packable, like you're on going backpacking and tenting. They had it all there. And remember it says when the cloud would move, they'd just pack it all up and get going. It was amazing. They come to the temple. The temple's amazing. But in the meantime, God did not say, I don't want you, just wait till the temple is built. And until then, just don't worship. <laughs> no, he made it possible on the road, in wilderness, in caves, in deserts, it, at war. It was always there. And the church, think of the breaking of bread, the prayers, the Holy Spirit. These things can go with you wherever you go, which is why we believe in the full legitimacy of what we're doing in a living room. God has given us all the tools we need to be creative. So here's what I want to say, and then I'm going to finish. In terms of the liturgy of the word, don't give up 
Um, we are gonna, we hope to be meeting in per Dane County's protocols and everything in Edgewood sometime soon. It would be our prayer that we could get back in a way that makes sense and is safe um, sometime this fall. But even then, if you still can't or feel uncomfortable with that, we are gonna make uh, the Liturgy of the Word, that first part, available somehow through a live stream, uh, through something, through videos where you can participate in that. And then as far as the Eucharist go, I want to encourage you to see communion as something that keeps you connected to Jesus and his church. It's going to actually take you taking an effort to go receive it with other people or to have it delivered to you. If you can go, get there. But then I also really want to breathe life into our communion delivery ministry. This is not something new. The church has done this forever. But if you feel unable to come out, or if you feel uh, like that's just against your conscience and you don't want to do that, we absolutely respect that. But we also have ways to bring uh, the feast to you, and that's completely legitimate. And the people who have been doing that, it's meant so much to, because again, you get to participate of that feast and keep it and think of everybody else who just had that same meal and connects it. So we're going to get creative, um, but we don't want to give up on it. This is something to work for. So many of you already believe this. So I know I'm preaching to the choir in some sense, but I just think having a refresher on our theology is amazing. And for those of you who feel exhausted, like I just don't know if I can continue to do this anymore. I'm just about to wander off in the woods. I just wanna encourage you, oh, there's so much riches still here. Don't wander off in the woods. And for those of you who have never really even thought about things this way. Um, again, many of you might have never heard that because of the theology of the incarnation, the way we experience the church and Jesus actually is experienced locally and relationally. That, that's how God intended it. This could be an awesome opportunity for you to experience a new season in the life of the church in the midst of obstacles that potentially is more rich than anything else. Now is the time. Now is the time for tenacious and creative worship. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.